somewhere with my name on it. I am the enemy's opposition. I know it doesn't look like it because of all I went through, but I'm just dusting off the what the dirt from what I went through so that I can become the enemy's opposition. I'm not in here to be cute. I'm not in here to play games. I'm in here because I'm opposition against the enemy. He's claimed too many of my women. He's claimed my mother. He claimed my sister, but he can't have me. I'm opposition. I'm your worst nightmare. I'm going to need a little more heat in the microphone because I need somebody to know that they are the enemy's worst nightmare. When you woke up this morning and you dressed yourself to come into this room, that demon started trembling because I didn't want you to get a revelation about who you are, but I came to set somebody free in this place. You are his greatest threat. A woman who knows who she is in God is the enemy's greatest threat. I know that I went through some things that may have bruised my heel but you still better be afraid of me. In Psalm 139, it says that he's the one that knit us in our mother's womb. He's the one that formed us. And God obviously knew to create me as a woman. I never called myself into ministry. Um, God called me when I was 18 years old to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, so I've preached the gospel. A sister and friend in Christ recently reached out to me and expressed interest in wanting to talk about the topic today. And like myself, she is a stay-at-home mom, having come out of the hyper-charismatic movement. And one of the things that she stated was it was discouraging at times and she felt like she wasn't doing anything of significance. And when she mentioned doing this topic, I thought it would be really good to talk about today. It's not only for women that are stay-at-home moms, though th that will be the main audience I am wanting to minister to today. But it's also for you women that are also working and you have families at home that you that you go home to and that you have a house that you take care of and you have a husband, you have children, or maybe you're a single mom or a widow. The, the Bible has the answers for us and it has encouragement for us that I hope that you will find at the end of this episode today to be very encouraging. So I wanted to share these clips with you to begin with, because this is what you see a lot of times when people say ministry, that when you think about women being in ministry, whether you're trying to take a biblical approach or the world has influenced your biblical approach through feminism, for example, there can be this pressure on us women that in order for us to have significance, we have to have built something. I had someone say that to me one time in, an, in a, both indirect and direct way about building things that of consequence and significance for the kingdom of God. And if you haven't built something, then you're really not doing anything for God, which is warped and twisted when you think about it. But there is this pressure uh, in, in our culture, in modern day times, especially in our Western culture, that if we're not in front of people, if we're not in a, on a platform, if we're not ministering to thousands upon thousands, an ocean of women, then we are not doing anything significant. If we don't have a microphone in our hand or we don't have a massive um, social media or online platform, or if we're not an influencer of any sort with um, numbers to back that up or uh, publish books to give us clout, then we tend to look down upon ourselves and we think, well, we're not doing anything. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I fold laundry every day. I clean the house. I have kids I take care of. I run errands. I take care of my home in different capacities. I do things for my husband. I'm, I'm wanting to serve the Lord and to, to do these things. And we can tend to look at the day-to-day -day areas of our life and view them as mundane and that they don't matter. But I want to encourage you today as someone who held that type of belief system in one way, shape, or form, 
having come out of this and even moving from a secular job into the home, that that's just not true. It's not true. And having a microphone in your hand does not validate you. And so we're going to look at scripture today. We're going to talk about this. And I hope that you leave this episode being encouraged, being driven back to the Word of God, understanding who you are in Christ first and foremost, and what God has instructed us in His Word to do in word and deed that ultimately glorifies Him without ever stepping on a platform or ever holding a microphone. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Don Hill, and I am the Lovesick Scribe. It wasn't that long ago, back in 2016, that I left my profession, having been a veterinarian for 10 years, and I left for two reasons. One was that my husband and I had talked for years about when we had children, that the goal was for me to stay home, if at all possible, and to take care of the kids rather than put them in daycare. The other thing, too, was that we were going to consider doing homeschooling. And so we had always been in agreement on that. And when the time came after our first child was born, I went back to work after maternity leave. And it wasn't long after that, about maybe seven months, that I believed that the Lord was telling me that it was time to leave. And it was for two reasons. It was for the the reasons that my husband and I had spoken about. But also, I was convinced that the Lord had specifically spoken to me that I was to leave and to go into full-time ministry, meaning traveling, speaking, doing all these writing, doing all these other things. At the time, I look back and I think, thank you, God, for being so merciful and gracious, even in that time period, because there was a grace that came with it. The area that I'm in now looks very different than what I once thought was going to take place, and I'm very thankful for that. But when I came out of working, I remember going through this transitional phase, even at that point of going... It felt good to be home with my daughter, but then leaving behind my profession, it seemed like I was losing, I felt like significance. And then after coming out of this hyper-charismatic New Apostolic Reformation where I was a prophet and doing all these wonderful things, I thought, and having you know all these things published that I wrote and being able to go speak at places and do things... I thought that I was reaching that place was where I was supposed to be in ministry. Now, looking at it, I realized that, again, God's grace and mercy was on that. And then coming out of that, there was another time of looking at this and going, I feel like I've lost something here and that uh, fleshly way of thinking and natural minded way of thinking And it took me a while to get to the point of being content and understanding biblically that what I was doing, staying at home, being able to stay at home and to tend to the house, to take care of my husband, to take care of my children, to do the things that were necessary to homeschool, to look at these things that they were ministry and to also be thankful that God gave us the opportunity and the ability to do that. And when I listened to the clips that we just heard It really makes me sad for women when they're hearing this, because when you're in that environment and you're hearing women like Sarah Jakes Roberts or Paula White or other women that are saying, you know, God called me to preach at a a young age. And so I'm preaching the gospel and they're also pastoring, which, you know, we've talked about this in a recent podcast episode before about the women's role in ministry and about women being in authority over men, which the scripture is clear on that subject that you can feel free to listen to that episode 
I want to talk to women today that you're living your everyday today life as a wife, a mother, and you are maybe struggling or discouraged that you feel like you're not doing anything of importance or significance. And when you hear someone get up like Sarah Jakes Roberts, and she's saying, you know, I'm a threat to the devil, which by the way, ladies, we're not called to shake hell. Hell is a place of eternal punishment for Satan and his angels and for those that rebel against God. We're not called to shake hell. The devil's not afraid of us. Nothing like that, because we can hear someone say that, and we immediately have a burden placed on us that's not meant to be placed on us. These are burdens that we're not meant to carry. The yoke that Jesus gives us is easy and his burden is light. These can turn into pharisaical burdens that are placed upon us as women when we're told we're supposed to shake hell and we're supposed to do this and we're supposed to be the devil's worst nightmare. Stop focusing on the devil. Focus on Christ. That's the main thing takeaway I want you to get from that. And don't worry about trying to hear the voice of God and trying to feel like you're called to preach. Yes, you can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you need to begin in your home and make sure that you're understanding what scripture has to say on the matter and do it in a biblical and appropriate way. So when I think about the current state that I'm in now, it's a content state because I realize that what I'm doing for the Lord Though it doesn't look glamorous, though it's not as massive as other people are doing, it doesn't matter because the Lord has blessed this ability to stay home, to teach my children, to take care of the home, and to take care of my husband and the things that he needs and to serve him, to submit to him as my husband, and to glorify Christ. And And I'll just tell you, I mean, I wish every day you could come in and see my home and that it would look pristine and clean and that my kids are well behaved and that I'm just happy and a ray of sunshine every day. I wish I could tell you that. I'm sure you wish that you could say that about yourself, but the fact of the matter is we live in a fallen world and we have life every day. And sometimes if people took highlight reels of throughout our day, we really would not want those to be seen by anybody. But we have a Savior that loves us and that He helps us, and the Holy Spirit lives within us, and He helps to guide us. He helps to instruct us. He He is convicting us. He is helping us and guiding us and leading us along the way. And thank God we have the Word of God to instruct us and to lead us and to shine light on our path. Perhaps this will be relatable to someone that's listening to this today as well. Sunday, I served in the children's ministry at our church, and I do that about every five to six weeks on and, and on the rotating schedule for the little children. And as I was in that part of doing the ministry time for the children's Sunday, at the end of it, the thought occurred to me, I really enjoyed doing that, and it wasn't something that I dreaded doing or tried to get out of doing or anything like that. Now, why do I say that? The reason is I remember having that type of mindset to a certain degree as far as dreading to help in other areas of the church during a church service when I was in that movement, because I was always afraid I was going to miss out on the move of God. Now, that sounds bad. And if, if you're offended by me sharing that, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to tell you those were thoughts that went through my head. And maybe you're more sanctified than I am and don't have those thoughts. But I remember having those thoughts. I didn't want to help in certain areas of the ministry at the time. And to be frank, there were certain areas that were struggling to find people to help with those areas. And I kind of wonder if other individuals had the same mindset as I did, not to be condemning. But I think that when you're in that type of movement, like the hyper charismatic movement, 
you tend to be selfish. One of the things is, well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be outside the sanctuary because then I might miss out on something. I may miss out on a prophetic word that God's going to give, or I may miss out on the move of God and what God's going to do. And I may not have a supernatural experience or may, I may not have this, or I may not have that. Rather than having the focus on you get to minister and serve unto the Lord. And so that hit me Sunday when I was in there serving the smaller children And I thought, I don't have that mentality now because I'm continuing to understand the importance of serving. And it's not always about what I get out of it. It's about glorifying the Lord and putting others' needs ahead of my own. I mean, for instance, there are other mothers that were having their children in there and they wanted to be able to participate and to be ministered to in the service through the the ministering and the teaching of the word of God and receiving communion that day. So those other mothers were able to do that while those of us stayed down there and tended to their children. That's ministry. That's thinking of others more than yourself. And that sometimes it's hard to have that mindset because we are very uh, wired to think about ourselves and put ourselves first. But scripture tells us otherwise, that we're to think more highly of others than we do our own self, that we are to love God, but we are also to love our neighbor. And nowhere in there does it tell us, it says, love your neighbor as yourself, but yourself is last in all of that. I find, I just find that as an observation, very interesting. So I don't know if that resonates with anybody else, but that one example really resonated with me Sunday when I began to think about my mindset, how it's changed so much in the past several years and what we understand as ministry being rather than what we can get from ministry. And I share this to, because I want to help in processing this as the my sister in Christ who reached out to me and was battling with some discouragement in thinking, I'm not doing anything of significance And dear sisters, I want to tell you, you are doing something of significance. If you're blessed to stay at home and you're able to to be with your children all day, and sometimes it doesn't feel like a blessing, (laughs) I understand that, but you are blessed to be able to do that. And we've got to continue to renew our minds with the word of God and to continue what our roles are supposed to be. Because unfortunately, we've relied on the world to tell us what our roles are, rather than trusting what God's word says our roles have already been established to be. My friend and sister in Christ, Emily Massey, wrote a blog post several years ago, and I want to share just a couple of little paragraphs with you from this. It's really encouraging, and I think you'll find it helpful. She wrote this in April of 2018, and the name of the blog post, it says, What God Has Taught Me Through the Seasons Where I Felt Stuck. And she talks about going through these seasons of feeling like she always had to do something, always had to stay busy. There was significance in that. And then making the changes out of coming out of the Word of Faith movement and and having to shift gears, really. It was different, different changes and seasons and embracing the lack of productivity and accomplishment that she said it felt foreign to her, but that God was going to use that new season to teach her some of the greatest lessons of trusting Him, even when everything in her life seemed to be at a standstill. And I wanted to share this with you at the, that she puts at the end. It's a great reminder to all of us is that we are to remember whose we are. That Matthew 10, 39 says, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus was saying this. And she said, in the season of barrenness and stillness, I discovered my true purpose and identity, a daughter of the most high God. 
And this was in the midst of coming out and not of the movement and not being a part of being on the platform any longer, not a worship leader, not a, a drama choreographer doing all of these things. And, you know, you may relate to this as well. It doesn't matter. Male or female can relate to this way. If you're in this movement, it feels like you're constantly having to do stuff. And I don't know about you. I mean, I can testify that in, for years, I probably spent four out of seven days sometimes um, on average at the church doing something. I was always there doing something. And there were times that we were there for hours, especially in worship practice, turning it into a worship type service during worship practice and just different aspects like that. But she talks about that it's um, it's really simple when you start understanding who you belong to. That's what we need to come back to first and foremost is our identity in Christ and not in a mystical way, a biblical way of understanding what that means. Then the core of the gospel, the father gave his only son for the whole world so that those who would believe on him would never spiritually die, but have everlasting life, experiencing restored fellowship with their heavenly father. And she's quoting John three sixteen there. And so as she goes on and reminding those that are reading this blog of that being children in Christ, She says, in Christ, we are God's children, and our purpose is to stand in that identity and tell others the good news that they can have that right too through Jesus Christ. It's from that place of children of God in Christ that we live and move and have our being, and that's in Acts 17, 28. And ultimately, what we find, ladies, is that we have peace and rest in Christ, And that's what I have found in the past few years in understanding. I I mean, like I said, I quit working in the secular field in 2016, um, and, and I've stayed home since then, and we have two children now. And yeah, there's hard days, especially when you're dealing with a toddler. I'm humbled to recognize that there is a grace for me to be at home and to do the things that are needed to be done, and that this is ministry. This is not what the world says is ministry, but it is ministry because Scripture says it's ministry, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. And um, Emily ends with this about finding peace and rest. She says, although it is so easy to get caught up in fully understanding our individual purpose, I don't believe what we do while here on this earth is God's main concern. She says that she believes his main concern for us is that we know whose we are. And she it gives us last bit of encouragement. She says, you may, may feel stuck right now and feel like you aren't doing much of anything of value for God. But I'm here to tell you that being a child of God is the greatest position you will ever stand in. Today, find peace and rest in believing you have purpose just by being that. And I think that that's something that we forget a lot of times. Again, in our in our culture, men and women alike, there's such a pressure and temptation that if you're not seen and heard, that you are not significant. And it's simply not true. There are things that help us to understand in Scripture as women what our roles are supposed to be. We're not supposed to be like men, first and foremost. We are never called to be like men. We're called to be like Christ as believers in Christ. And we are called to obey the Word of God and to do and follow His instructions of what it says to do in His Word. If we love God, we're going to obey His Word and what His instructions are in our role as women, as wives, as mothers, as disciples of Christ. So what do we do? You know, I've read you some of these things and you may be saying, well, that's really easy for you to say. You know, it's easier said than done. It sounds really good that, you know, you don't need a platform to be relevant or significant. And and it sounds great to say these things and just say, I can just rest in being a child of God, but I still feel like I don't have, I'm not doing anything of significance for God. 
I don't feel like I'm doing anything because I've come out of this movement where I was amped up and and oversensitized, hypersensitized and told that I had to do all these things. And now I've gone from being a workhorse to now I feel like I'm doing nothing. I know it's a real struggle. I'm not going to tell you that that it's not a real struggle because it is. But I do want to encourage you today and tell you that scripture helps us to understand what our roles are as women and that we can be encouraged in those and realize that the world does not dictate to us who we are supposed to be in placing those burdens upon us that we're supposed to do this. And also those in the church that have embraced this and and that are even doing things contrary to scripture, especially women that are standing in the role of pastor, that is also creating issues that are contradicting scripture. As women, when we're talking about just us women, that the day-to-day life that we do and that we are stay-at-home moms or we're having to work. If you're having to work, then this applies to you as well. What do we do? What are our roles? What can we do? Because if you're telling me, Dawn, that I can't pastor a church according to God's word, or I'm not called to be an apostle and to have this authority, or I'm not called to do these certain things, then what can I do? What can I possibly do? This will help you. So some things that we can consider as far as being women of God that, for example, stay at home all day with children and maybe maybe homeschool, maybe don't homeschool. And we're doing these things that, that are the day-to-day, some maybe we even say mundane things. And we're doing things that don't really get us a lot of attention or accolades uh, in the world's eye or even in the church's eye on a grander scale. What do we do about that? Well, I want to read this article to you today. I think you'll find encouraging from a woman named Elizabeth Elliot. And if you're not familiar with Elizabeth Elliot, I would encourage you. She's passed away now and gone on to be with the Lord. I would encourage you to read some of the books that she's written and to learn more about her. She's a very godly woman. She lost two of her husbands. Uh, One that she lost, uh, Jim Elliott, who was a missionary. He was killed by the very people he was ministering to, and she would go on to move there and to minister to the same people who murdered her husband. And she was also um, married a second time, and she lost her husband to cancer. And she talks a lot about suffering and dealing with loss and, and serving the Lord. And so I would encourage you to look at some of her books and to read them. I think you'll find them edifying and encouraging. I came across this um, article on Ligonier's site titled, Let Me Be a Woman. And I want to read just a little bit of this to you. She talks about the creation of man and woman and the gospel story beginning with the mystery of charity when the angel comes to Mary and that she is willing to submit to God's word and to God's plan of what he wants to do and her gentle and quiet spirit about doing such a thing. And Elizabeth Elliot says in this uh, article, she says, femininity receives. It says, may it be to me, as you have said, it takes what God gives, a special place, a special honor, a special function and glory, different from that of masculinity, meant to be a help. In other words, it is for us women to receive the given as Mary did, not to insist on the given as Eve did. I would be the last to deny that women are given gifts that they are meant to exercise, but we must not be greedy in insisting on having all of them in usurping the place of men. We are women, and my plea is, let me be a woman, holy through and through, asking for nothing but what God wants to give me, receiving with both hands and with all my heart whatever that is. No arguments would ever be needed if we all shared the spirit of the most blessed among women." 
The world looks for happiness through self-assertion. The Christian knows that joy is found in self-abandonment. If a man will let himself be lost for my sake, Jesus said, he will find his true self. A Christian woman's true freedom lies on the other side of a very small gate, humble obedience. But that gate leads out into a largeness of life undreamed of by the liberators of the world, to a place where the God-given differentiation between the sexes is not obfuscated but celebrated, where our inequalities are seen as essential to the image of God. For it is in male and female, in male as male and female as female, not as two identical and interchangeable halves, that the image is manifested. To gloss over these profundities is to deprive women of the central answer to the cry of their hearts. Who am I? No one but the author of the story can answer that cry. And the author of that story is God. It's God. He knows who we're created to be. He created us. He created male and female. He's also created distinct roles for us as women to fulfill. You know, a lot of times you'll hear people quote Galatians 3. They, they go to Galatians 3 when talking about what women can do in ministry, saying, well, we're, we're equal. We're just like men. And this passage in Galatians, in chapter 3, verse 28, says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. But that's not talking about the roles that we are to fulfill within the body of Christ. That is talking about that we are equally given salvation because of Christ, not based on anything that has to do with who we are, male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free. It's our, our salvation is based in Christ. That's what that's referring to. And so just as we acknowledge that there's no distinction in salvation, we also need to acknowledge that there is a distinction made in authority and order. And God has done that. He has established that in his word. And we don't need to despise it. So some of the things that we can look at, for example, in understanding this as our responsibilities as women is that we are to support the gospel for the work of, of the church. And we'll, we'll go to Romans 16 here in a little bit and talk about that. We are to be diligent in our vocations. And whatever we're doing, we want to do things unto the Lord. And whether we are a stay-at-home wife or a wife who works outside the home, we are to be a wife. That when we're married to a, a husband, we are not to usurp power over him, but that we want to see our husbands be the head of our homes. We want to submit ourselves to our husbands because that's a godly order. And Genesis 2, 22 through 24 talks about this order. We see that this order is established and addressed in such places as Ephesians 5. It talks about establishing this order, that we are to be a helper for our husband. 1 Corinthians eleven eight through 9, it says, For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Genesis talks about this, that, that Eve was created to be a helper or helpmate for Adam. So it doesn't make us less than we are to come alongside and we are to help. We are to serve. We are to submit ourselves to our husbands just as we would essentially are submitted to the Lord because the husband is the head of the house and Christ is the head of the church. So we see that this has been illustrated in, in scripture for us to understand, just like the husband is given duties that he is to fulfill as the husband. He is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. There's other areas that we can see that we'll talk about, about caring for the household, that we're to care for our homes. First Timothy 5.14 says, so I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. 
We need to be women of the word. We don't want to be weak women that scripture talks about that the enemy can come in or false teaching can come in and that we can be swayed in a certain direction because we're ignorant and biblically illiterate of what scripture tells us to do and what we are supposed to be doing. And instead, we're, we're being blown around by these winds of doctrines that we're, that we're not going to be weak women, that that can happen, that we want to be women of the word and, and to do what, what Scripture says to do and to develop, cultivate that fellowship, that intimacy with the Lord. And we do that by understanding what His word says, first and foremost, and following it, obeying it, because we love God and we belong to Him. We're to be a helper for our husband. We're supposed to love and respect our husband. Um, Ephesians 5.33 says, Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. 1 Peter 3 verses 1-2 through 2 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. These are all ways that we are ministering. We are serving and we are glorifying the Lord when we know what the Bible says. And and, I, and this is also something I remind myself of daily. And again, we are not perfect. This is why we need to continue to remind ourselves of what Scripture says. It's so important that we do this because our flesh can get in the way, our pride can get in the way, our sinful nature that is part of our flesh can still get in the way, and we want what we want, and we want to do our own way. Or, but we need to continue daily. It's a renew, daily renewal of our mind, a daily crucifying the flesh, daily of being led by the Spirit and not by the flesh going through progressive sanctification. This is very important. Another one, Titus 2, 4 through 5 says, so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. We've talked about submitting to our husbands at Ephesians 5, 22 through 24 talks about this. 1 Corinthians eleven three talks about this uh, that I mentioned a few minutes ago, that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Uh, we are to be respectable. Um, the scripture talks about how we're supposed to uh, dress in a dignified manner and that how we're to conduct ourselves and how we treat others and, and how we are modest and we have self-control and that we are dignified and not slanderers, that we're sober-minded, faithful in all things. That's 1 Timothy 3.11. There's lots of different things that we can see here. We can teach other women. We can teach our children. There are lots of opportunities for us, as we'll talk about in just a moment, what can we do? There's lots of opportunities for us to be able to do things that are going to glorify Christ. And so we want to teach what is good, whether we're teaching our own children, whether we're teaching um, children in Sunday school, whether we're, um, whether we're able to sit one-on-one with another woman and we're discipling them or on the phone with them. We want to teach what is good. We want to do what's pleasing to God. Uh, Titus 2, 3 through 5 is so good. And I think even I can still consider myself a young woman, even though I'm in my 40s. I'm reminded of older women that are older than me. I need to be respectful of that. And for younger women that are listening to this, young women, you need to be respectful to women that are older than you and are more seasoned than you and and biblically know things and be willing to be quiet sometimes and learn from older women. I think a lot of times in our culture, young as young women, we tend to forget that that we are to respect those that are older than us that actually know what scripture says. And we need to sit down sometimes and be quiet and listen. 
um, to those women instead of wanting to always chime in all the time and offer our two cents when we probably don't know as much as we think we do. And I'm speaking to myself too. I'm still ever learning and growing and realize there's a lot that I don't know and I'm, I'm willing and I want to be submissive to the word of God and to understand his word better so I can glorify him and not worry about me being right all the time or being able to be heard, but wanting to glorify Christ. And when corrections needed, then receive that correction and be humble about it and realize it's for my own good. It's for your own good. If you're ever corrected or disciplined, it's for your own good when it's in accordance with scripture. Now, when we're talking about spiritual abuse that takes place with manipulative, controlling leaders, a whole other arena. But when you're talking about when you're in a a good, solid, biblically sound church, and you're surrounded by other fellow believers, and you're um, able to congregate, or you're talking with even other friends that are believers and such, and that there's people that need to ask you questions, or that you need to be corrected in some way by pastor, the elders, or whoever it is that you're talking to, then we need to be willing to receive that, because if it's being done a biblical way, then... It's not going to be pleasant, but it's going to be for our benefit. Whereas when you're talking with an older woman, young ladies, and you know that they know more about scripture than you do, then it's time to be quiet and listen and be teachable, to to remain teachable in those moments. But Titus 2, 3 through 5 says, Older women likewise are to be reverent behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. And I believe this is a necessary topic to talk about, especially for women, for us women who have come out of the types of movements like the hyper charismatic movement, the new apostolic reformation, and you are coming out of, it's really a detox that you're coming out of. And maybe you've had a position where you were allowed to speak and to minister and that you held some sort of um, position or title. It can be a drastic change and your flesh and your mindset goes, but I'm not doing anything. You know, I'm at home and I'm taking care of the kids and I'm folding laundry and I'm washing dishes and I'm vacuuming. And when I go to church, I pray and I'm and I'm not uh, unhappy or miserable, but it's just this discouragement and this disillusionment of coming out of that movement and thinking, if I'm not busy doing something or being like a workhorse, like, you know, when we're talking about Emily's blog post, and, and I mentioned that about being a workhorse, if you're not doing that, then a lot of times we equate that to, I'm not being significant. I'm not doing anything then. And you have to get out of that mindset. And the only way you can really do that is to, again, go back to what the Word of God says. To go back to Scripture and to be edified and encouraged by Scripture and even be corrected by Scripture. You know, 2 Corinthians 3, 16, 17 talks about that all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's it's profitable for for edifying, it's for profitable for rebuking us, for correcting us, for instructing us. And so we have to be willing to receive that, not only the encouragement and the edification, but the correction and the, the false teaching that you have to hold a microphone or you have to have a massive social media presence in order to be relevant. It's not true. We go through day-to-day life and there are times that it, there are frustrations and difficulties that we have to, and hurdles we have to overcome. And it comes down to putting our, cement, our flesh under 
and being led by his spirit and submitting ourselves to the word of God and, and thinking more highly of others than we do ourselves. And all of us have to do that. And it can be hard because we are wired to think of ourselves first. But God's kingdom is not made that way. It's not designed that way. So what can you do as, as a woman that maybe stays at home, has children, and you've come out of this movement and you think, what can I possibly do that's of significance? I have no idea. I, I have done all these other things when I was in this ministry, in this movement, and felt like I was doing such significance for God. And I was part of the intercessory prayer team. And I was part of the prophetic team. I'm telling on myself. And I was helping in children's ministry. And I was used to be a worship leader. And then um, I had a, a ability to actually stand on the platform and preach and minister to prophesy and to do all of these things that I thought were so significant. And, and I was writing and getting all this attention and doing and doing blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And other people can list off far greater things than I can that are, that are far more grandiose than what I just did. But what can you do? And then you go from that, then you and then you go to, yeah, I stay at home. And um, I change diapers and I homeschool and I clean the house and I take care of all these other things that I do throughout the day and put out fires with my children that are not literal fires, but, you know, put out fires of temper tantrums and trying to make sure that I don't have the uh, fire that I have to put out my own temper tantrums from dealing with temper tantrums. And, it, and you know, the list goes on and on and we can look at our lives and think, I'm not doing anything. You know, I was doing so much over here and it seemed like it was all, it had so much value to it. It seemed like it had so much value to it and now I'm doing nothing. But that's a lie. It's such a lie. So what can you do? Well, for one thing, you can commit to being a student of God's word. As believers in Christ, we need to commit ourselves daily to being a student of, the, of God's word. And that could be used beginning to commit to reading the Bible in a year. That's one of the first things I did when I came out of this movement is committing to reading the Bible in a year. And you can find there's free programs you can find and you are reading through the Bible in a year and you can do Old Testament and New Testament together or if you just want to read the New Testament, but read the Bible in a year and listen or listen to it. If you you say, "Well, I don't have time for that." Well, we make time for what we think matters. So, listen to it audibly. We have no excuse now not to be reading and feasting on the word of God. So make sure you're spending daily time in the Word of God. Try to carve out time too. If you find a certain topic or if you want to study a a particular book of the Bible and spend time in that, devote time to that because you are going to continue to, to grow in spiritual maturity. The more that you renew your mind with the Word of God, the more you study the Word of God, the less likely you're going to be swayed from fault into false teaching, and you are going to grow in your intimacy, your fellowship with God, and you're going to continue to develop your spiritual maturity. And let me just say this. Jesus talked about in John 8, that those that were questioning him, in John 8, 31, 32, he said to the Jews that were questioning him, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if we're truly the disciples of Christ, we are going to abide in his word. We're going to dwell in it. And not only that, but we're going to obey what it says. And that's what we are to do. We are to obey what God's word says. 
He's not our boyfriend. He's not our better half or anything like that. He is our Lord and Savior. And he needs to be treated with such reverence and not and not degraded down to our level. And he is Lord and Savior of our lives. And he needs to be acknowledged and reverenced as such. So the second thing I have written down, there's three things. And you can add to these, but I'm just giving you a couple of things that, that you can do and that I can do. Remember your first love and your first ministry. So we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. And we are to love our neighbor as ourself. And so we are to love God. We need to love our husbands and we need to love our children. And we need to serve our husbands and serve our children. And I mentioned about Genesis 2:18, 1 Corinthians 11, 8 and 9 I read um, pertaining to our husbands. I wanted to read 1 Timothy. I may have already read it already, but I wanted to read 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 9 and 10 to you. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. So this is talking about you know, being a mother and and talking about uh, making a distinction with widows as far as the age range when, when Paul was talking to Timothy about this. But I wanted you to also focus on, too, that with, with women like, like this, having a reputation of good works, and what are the good works? That she brought up children. That is listed as the first good work that she's done. She's been the wife of one husband, and the reputation of good works is she has brought up children. Children have been looked down upon in our society and even as a burden in our society. Children are a blessing. I know there's times that we battle because of with younger children that they go through temper tantrums and other things, but children are a blessing. We have been blessed. There are women that are barren or that have had or struggled to have children. So we need to remember that a good work is bringing up our children. Ladies, I want to remind you, if you're able to stay home and homeschool your children, you are doing a tremendous ministry. Even if you're staying and you don't homeschool them, if you're staying at home with them in their young years and and then you're going to go back to work or you're still going to, whatever you're going to do and, and wait for them to go to school, you need to value that time that you have with them now and pour into them. And even if they go to public school, pour into them when they get home, ask them questions, ask them questions when you're at church, when you come out of church, what'd you do in Sunday school today? Let's talk about the Bible throughout the week. Utilize opportunities throughout the week to minister your children. Do not rely on the pastors or anyone else at your church to do what you should be doing at home because we need to be pouring into our children sharing the gospel with them every chance we get contrary to what we've been told we cannot pray or intercede for our children to be saved we should pray but what has been taught in these other movements is, is that you can pray and decree and declare and people will be saved that's not how people get saved we should be praying for people we should be praying for our children but our children are saved by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and believing in in their hearts that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is their savior and confessing with their mouth that he is their savior. That's how they are saved. They're not saved from our decrees and declarations and they're not saved through us just praying and, and doing all of these things without sharing the gospel with them. That is not what the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17, and that pertains in context to the gospel. So every chance you get, Take opportunities to share the gospel with them. Utilize times to talk about the Bible 
even if it's just for five or 10 minutes to talk about a life lesson and apply it about how we're to honor God in our actions and in what we do and the importance of prayer and the importance of worship outside the four walls of meeting within a corporate gathering and teaching them about the importance of reading the Bible. That is ministry. We cannot forsake that or forget that. And it's a blessing. It's not a demotion to stay at home. <laughs> That's another thing our society and even some of the parts of the church will, will paint that as a picture of, well, you know, women have to stay home, you know, that you're just having a just male chauvinism and blah, blah, blah. It's not a demotion to stay home. It's a blessing that you get to stay home. And you're the first line of natural defense for your children. Teach them God's ways. Be sure that you know what the Word of God says in the proper context so that you can glorify Christ when you're telling them about who God is and why you trust Him. Let them see you praying. Let them see you trusting the Lord. You don't have to put on a production or a theatrical production for them and worshiping. And if you want to worship in front of them, that's fine. But don't feel like it has to be a theatrical thing and emotional in order for it to be effective. It just needs to be biblical. And they need to see it applicable in your life. And when you're struggling and when you when you have a moment where you um, are sinful or you, you know, you're not acting in a way that's pleasing the Lord demonstrate and model to them what that looks like to be repentant. This is ministry. This is what we fail to see. And I failed to see it for a long time. This is ministry. When you are showing your children what it looks like to be a godly mother and a godly wife, not perfect, but a godly mother and a godly wife that loves God and wants to please God and wants to submit to God and submit to her husband and submit to what God's word says to do and obey him. And part of that is repenting for bad behavior, for poor behavior, for poor conduct, for sinful behavior, for sinful actions, then that's ministry. We're setting an example for our children. So please don't forsake that. And be sure that you're remembering that that you're not to compete with your husband. You're not to lord over him. Be willing to to let him take the forefront to pray, to to lead your home. That's his position. <laughs> you are one flesh. Matthew 19, 4 through 6 remind us, reminds us of this. We are one flesh. We're not competing with our husbands. We're coming alongside. We're serving. And we're also realizing our our role in the, the family unit that it's that we're all equal in Christ for those of us who are in Christ, but we also understand our role and the order that God established, not man, God established. And the last thing I would say is serve in your local church. Again, you know, th- this whole mindset that we have of I'm just not doing anything significant. I'm, and my, and my definition of significance is no one can see me. I'm not holding a microphone. I'm not singing. I'm not, I'm not praying. I'm not prophesying. I'm not decreeing. I'm not declaring. I'm not shouting. I'm not on any sort of special team locked away in some room and I'm taking care of children or I'm just sitting in a chair every Sunday or I'm getting involved in the community with our church and I'm doing these things, but nobody else sees me and I just feel like I'm doing nothing. But the, again, that's not true serve in, in the local church, children's ministry, serve in the children's ministry, women's Bible study, serving others, one-on-one ministry to other women, ask an older woman to, to help disciple you if necessary, reach out to a older woman that you know is solid in the Bible and ask if she would mentor you or, or answer questions when you have them. She's not going to be available to you 24 seven because she has her own life. But be willing to be discipled by an older woman. 
be willing to ask questions, be willing to be teachable. These are all things that we can do. Uh, we see in, in uh, Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, we, it talks about Phoebe, and he mentions about her being a deaconess or a servant. And so I want to talk about that real quick, too, because there can be some confusion about that. And again, about the roles of elders and deacons, which are not synonymous with one another. But when I looked in one of my study Bibles, it talked about there was a brief description that Paul gave that she was a servant. And it says this is the term from which we get deacon or deaconess. And the notes go on to say in the early church, women's servants cared for sick believers, the poor, strangers, and those in prison. They instructed the women and children. And we see this again in Titus 2, 3 through 5. Whether Phoebe had an official title or not, she had the great responsibility of delivering this letter to the Roman church. When they had served faithfully and become widowed and destitute, such women were to be cared for by the church. And so, you know, we see this example of women serving in various capacities in the church, whether they are um, helping ministers when um, being a patron to them or they're um, serving in, in, a, in such a way that they're not the main, main attraction, if you will, or the main speaker, but serving in other various capacities. And, you know, I go back to the whole children's ministry area. Think about this. It's not about you missing out on something in a public service. Thinking about other mothers that maybe for that day, maybe they're, ha- maybe they're struggling and you don't know that. Maybe they are discouraged and they need that time to be able to sit and hear the word of God ministered so that they can be refreshed by the word of God, that they can be around other fellow believers in that, in that gathering for that morning, and that you're being a blessing to that, that mother by ministering to her little one, by just playing or playing with that child, being consolation for that child, because the mother's not there to console them. And that mother is getting refreshed in the church service. You know, we don't think about these things, but we need to, because it's not about us and and what we can get. It's about glorifying God and having that mindset that we are to serve others and that we are to, and above all, we are to glorify him in every way possible. So serve in your local church. If there are things that um, organizations and such that outreaches that your church serves, then if you're able to, to do that once a week or a couple times a month or something to help out to minister to other people, to serve in that capacity, knowing that whatever you do in word and deed, you're doing it unto the Lord. I hope that this has, has helped you today in kind of rethinking about what ministry really looks like and and being encouraged that if you are a stay-at-home mom or if you're a mom that works outside the home, regardless if you're a mom, that you are still able to minister in such a way that is significant. You do not have to hold a microphone or have a public platform to have eternal significance. And that's the thing that I hope that you'll take away from all this today. Public platforms, social media influence, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. What matters is, is that we are having eternal significance And we're glorifying Christ in the process. We're pointing people back to the gospel, pointing people back to Christ, and that we are edifying and glorifying him, that we are glorifying him in all that we do and testifying of him. And that we're we're storing up treasures in heaven, not things down here on this earth, but we're storing up treasures in heaven and that we are living for 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're living for him to return. We're living for him in, in all that we do because we want people to be, we want people to know him. We want to glorify him. We want to exalt him in everything because he's worthy. He's worthy of our praise, worthy of our worship, worthy of the glory and honor that so rightly belongs to him. So until next time, when we're on here together, be blessed today by the truth of God's word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.